and they were literally just going through a lot of emotional trauma. I don't yeah. think they would have believed anybody. Right. Even when Jesus appeared, some of them were like, whoa, is it? Is it not? Mm-hmm. Can I touch you? Like, oh, right. Yes. And very, very difficult for our human brains to to get there. I think you're I think you're spot on. The challenges and the barriers to belief are real. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last episode, we even looked at in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, it says that they're gathered there and Jesus is teaching and he's appeared now. He's been there for a month and a half teaching, preaching, uh, doing all the stuff. And then it says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain, um, which Jesus had directed them. Jesus said to them, all authority, no, it says, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. But some doubted. Even then. I know. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. We are actually in studio. I've got Pete here. Welcome back, Pete. Thanks, man. Glad it's so to be good back. to have you. Yeah, it's fun. And I think it's appropriate. As we were talking before the podcast started, uh, I mentioned that we are going to be landing the plane on the Gospel of Mark. Absolutely. Not thinking in my head that you are a pilot. That's right. And so it's extremely appropriate because you know how to land things. I can land stuff. In a safe manner. <laughs> yeah. We'll bring it back to earth. <laughs> That's right. Bring it back to the ground. So we are in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, but since we've last hung out, uh, life has happened, and is there anything in particular that the Lord has been teaching you in this season of life, whether that's mm. in with your, you know, at work, whether it's in yeah. family life, uh, personal devotion? Yeah, honestly... Um, I feel like the the biggest theme for me is the consistency of choosing to continue to draw from the well of the Lord and his word and to keep pouring that back out directly. For me, the, the most obvious place to pour that is, is right into my family mm-hmm. and not trying not to grow weary in the day in, day out process of that, right? Where it's, there's, there's just always just something now there's more stuff coming. Like, like Mm -hmm. yesterday we, you know, we had, we tried to go hiking. It was going to be this great day, Memorial day and got a flat tire and then changed it out. And the spare was also flat and like then spent, Mm -hmm. you know, all day doing runaround stuff and whatever. And I just, instead of letting that be like, you know, whatever, it's another thing, just like take it for what it is. Mm -hmm. And the Lord has a reason for it. And so, yeah, I just feel like just that consistency, abiding in the Lord and, and whatever he has, you know, and not right. letting it, you know, rock whatever plans I had. So, yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting space to be because it's not your, typically your first thought. Right. Is, oh, this is a blessing from the Lord. Yeah. But it's usually seen as a disruption. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know if it was with you or another guest where we talked about just holding things with an open hand. And yeah. If you typically hold things that way rather than kind of closed fisted grip, right? Uh, then as things come and go, there's less of a disruption. Totally. So that's a good easier, word. Easier to take anyway. Yeah, right. When it's right. that way. So yeah, I think that's what's going on. Awesome. What about you? Um, 
Yeah, interesting season for sure. Uh, we've we're just about to finish out our first year here in Montana. Yeah, uh, being Montana residents, so we've kind of experienced the cycle of seasons and uh, you know the the dark days of winter mm-hmm. and the exciting days of spring where the sun's out and things are blooming. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's a busy life with with kids that are you know and high school and middle school uh they're going every which way so we're finishing up some spring sports baseball in particular and it has us running around and being real crazy but i think that we will anticipate some more chill days this summer which is nice and yeah i mean you know being being a a fellow east haven uh, church members there's all interesting season of life we find ourselves yeah Yeah, for sure (laughs) good stuff it is good stuff it is good stuff but today we came specifically as two men in need uh of god to speak to us and so we take and we read the word of god and we're landing the plane like i said in the gospel of mark uh we are uh mark 16 and we are going to be in a section we're going to be reading verses 9 through the end and we're going to read them first and then i think there's it's appropriate to just recognize i, I know that my copy of god's word has some notes yeah, about this section to this, and yeah, for sure and for you and i to kind of process what do we do with that when yep. we find that in the bible for sure so uh and for those tuning in we took some time we prayed beforehand just so that the lord could give us guidance we asked for his insight because again, it's important to consult the author of a book anytime Absolutely. you want to know what it really means. Yeah, that's for sure. So we did just that, and now we find ourselves in Mark 16. I'm reading out of ESV. What uh, version do you have today? This is CSB. CSB. So the yeah. Christian Standard Bible, both great translations, uh, similar in a lot of ways, but there'll be some small nuances. So yeah, yeah, that's good. All righty, here we are, uh, Mark 16, starting in verse nine. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, the he there is Jesus, Yes. from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country, and they went back and told the rest but they did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared to eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Okay, sweet. So there's there's kind of three three little vignettes, three little kind of episodes that we see as as Mark wraps up his gospel. And I yeah. think it's important to note that historically and traditionally we understand Mark 
to be the collected teaching of the Apostle Peter, that John Mark had accompanied him at some point, and likely uh, the historians identify that it was when he was uh, preaching to the Christians in Rome that they wanted and desired his teaching to be preserved. And yeah. so it was recorded. It's the shortest of the gospel accounts that we have. Yeah. And and so his whole thing uh, from the, the beginning, uh, if we look at the beginning of of the of Mark chapter one, verse one, it says, The beginning of the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And from that point on, it is it's historical narrative. It's it's giving an account of all of the things that would support that first statement. Yep. That the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ or Jesus the Messiah, who's also the Son of God. And from that point on, Mark is supporting his claim. So it's the only time we see his opinion, which is the first verse. The rest of this is his support of what he's concluded, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that the rest of this is bearing testimony to that. All that he taught, all that he did, and there's a sense in which he is writing these things so that people can be persuaded that belief in him is the right response. For sure. To when they encounter him. Now, I don't know if your, your, uh, your copy has some notes. Mine has a couple of things that indicate that these verses in particular uh, are not included in all of the earliest manuscripts. Right. That there are some that would exclude these uh, nine, uh, let's see here, nine through uh, 20. So right. these last 11 they, verses. They just weren't there. 12, yep. That they just were, that the Gospel of Mark ended at verse 8. 16, 8. Yeah. Yep. And yep. That, was, that was that. And so that there were some early manuscripts that didn't include this. Some included some of this. Some included all of that's here. But still, it's, it's in our Bibles because... Uh, there were enough manuscripts to include it to right. say that this was a part of the, the early circulation of this text. Right. Any other thoughts on that? Well, I, I think the point that the people who translated the scriptures didn't try to like whisk that away or mm-hmm. make it disappear somehow. They were just like, hey, this is you know this is the truth of of the matter right, right. like a lot of manuscripts the, the earliest manuscripts don't have this chunk but many of them do mm-hmm. like many of the manuscripts we have copies and things today do have that so so know that um and that that goes along with a lot of the theme of the bible where there's a lot of stuff that gets included that you'd think oh gosh like some embarrassing details. Totally. Like, <laughs> like if someone was trying to like make a really nice, pretty uh-huh. package, you know, from a human perspective, there's no way right. that they would include that, you know? And so I, you know, that's, that's just an, uh, yet another um, proof in favor of the Bible being true is that sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't, a lot of times it doesn't do what we want it to do, mm-hmm. right? Like, like we're supposed to do what it, has right. us to do, but right. but it doesn't go along with you know necessarily how we think or feel, and it certainly doesn't seem like it was you know, fabricated in any way because of yeah. many of these types of. Well, and I think uh, some people might be afraid or, or hesitant with these verses to say, "Wait a minute!" So there were early manuscripts that didn't include this. So should this be excluded? 
Mm-hmm. Is is this not God's? Is this section not God's word? Right. Because it was added later, mm-hmm. uh, and so it may call into question the validity or the trustworthiness of of e- either this section or the Gospel of Mark or the whole thing. It right. depends on how far you go down that road. Right. And I think it's important to note on that that each of these little vignettes or episodes where he's talking to Mary or he appears to Mary, then he appears to the two disciples, and then he kind of gives what's known as the Great Commission. Right. These are included in other gospel accounts in exactly. greater detail. For sure. So there's no new information that's introduced here that that we wouldn't find uh, corroborated by other gospels. Right. So you've got the first one here when Jesus appears to Mary. Uh, that's accounted for in the end of John's gospel in chapter 20. Mm. Uh, he appears to the two disciples uh, on the road to Emmaus, which it, that's most likely what's happening here, and that happens in the end of Luke's gospel. Mm-hmm. And then the Great Commission is very detailed in the end of Matthew's gospel. So the other three gospels in concert support everything that's everything there. that's here. Right. Exactly. So there's there's a high degree of confidence that we can have when For we sure. approach this text and go, oh, okay. Yes. And what something like this should do, it springboard, springboards you into saying, okay, this is a very brief covering of this. I wonder if there's more detail right. in one of the other passages. Right. So then you jump into one of those other. Or if you've read through other gospels, you'll you'll be reading this and go, oh, that sounds really familiar, mm-hmm. right? And Because I've heard that before, right? The Great Commission. Right. I read that in Matthew, right? So um, it and I think if what you're saying wasn't true, if this last bit in Mark was something totally on its own, it never would have even appeared right. in any form right. right here. You know, like we would just be 16.8, done. Because right. the early people that canonized the scripture would have gone, this doesn't fit. Like we have no other yep. way of supporting this unless they did, right? But mm-hmm. if, the, if the other gospels or, or the scripture, the whole council of scripture didn't, uh, validate or support or whatever some something it it wouldn't pass that test. I think that's that's such a good point. All right, so let's take each of these kind of in turn and then see if there's anything that any consistent thread through all of them mm-hmm. that maybe is a an important thing to note. Yeah. So this first one, he rose early. Jesus uh, on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm which is, again, attested to in, in the other scripture or the other uh, Gospels, gospel accounts, yeah. uh, from whom he had cast out seven demons. So we, mm-hmm. we now understand a little bit about her background there. Right. Very she, tough past. Whew, yeah. yeah. And one of the most devoted followers. Yes. And something that I, I uh, read in, I think it was the in John's gospel, it describes Mary and a few other ladies that had accompanied Jesus and had been the primary financial backers of his ministry, mm-hmm. which is also interesting that we wouldn't associate Mary Magdalene necessarily as someone who, from means, Yeah, but the, but the scriptures tell us a different story, that she actually did have some, some means that were able to afford the ministry work of Jesus, mm-hmm. but uh, we know that she is one that uh, had seven demons that he had cast out and that she goes and tells, she has an experience where she is the first one to encounter Jesus risen from the dead, Right. goes to tell the others, 
And then we're told here, when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. Right. So they discounted her testimony, which, you know, that's a whole other thing on the area of, uh, you know, in the area of credibility to the account, the inclusion of women Mm -hmm. uh, as being the ones that were faith parts. Yes. Key witnesses. Like, we understand the location of his burial tomb. It was witnessed in, this is the end of 15, verse 47, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Then Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices. So there's these women that are the faithful ones attending, watching, where his body's taken down from the cross, where it's buried. The ones that are coming then the next day to take care of the body that was probably not properly uh, uh, treated after, you know, in preparation for burial because of the Sabbath and the hurried nature of when he was taken down. Mm -hmm. So you've got these women that are shown to be faithful, the faithful ones. And if you're trying to uh, manufacture a story about somebody, uh, a Jewish carpenter that rose to the level of Messiah and he was in fact the son of God, you might keep out details that would somehow discredit Mm -hmm. to most of your audience what's being said. And so the fact that Mary's the first one to discover the empty tomb, the first one to receive the appearance of Jesus risen from the dead, and then to give an account of it, it's interesting that she goes and tells the story of it. And then it's also interesting that it indicates that they didn't believe her. Mm -hmm. Like that's another... After the fact, like that's a small detail you could easily leave out yeah. and say, Well, you know what? Hey, she came and told us and We looked into it. We looked into it. <laughs> we considered it. We yeah. No, and, and it's interesting too, and and I'm sure you could say that culturally, you know, the testimony of a woman at that time in history just wasn't, you know, didn't hold water. And and that's why the disciples didn't, they immediately just discounted her. And I, I seriously doubt that after the, all the ministry that they all had mm. done together. I think it was just, they were just so, I think if any of the guys had seen and, and reported and and th- they wouldn't have believed either. They were, they were so just beside themselves with, mm-hmm. with grief and confusion. And they were literally just going through a lot of emotional trauma. I don't yeah. think they would have believed anybody. Right. Even when Jesus appeared, some of them were like, whoa, is it? Is it not? Mm-hmm. Can I touch you? Like, oh, right? Yes. And very, very difficult for our human brains to, to get there. I think, you're, I think you're spot on. The challenges and the barriers to belief are real. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last episode, we even looked at in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, it says that they're gathered there and Jesus is teaching and he's appeared now. He's been there for a month and a half teaching, preaching, uh, doing all the stuff. And then it says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain um, which Jesus had directed them. Jesus said to them, all authority... No, it says, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. But some doubted. Even then. Yeah, I know. So that idea of, I guess, the the potency of unbelief or, I don't know if it's potency, but it's the, the approachability. Like it's it's yeah. very... It's very disposition, maybe, of disbelief in our, in our hearts a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Is very strong. And sometimes we just look back on with 2020 vision and go, how could they possibly doubt? This? Totally. Yeah. But 
we would have probably been in the same boat. Yeah, there's a lot to take in there. Right. Okay, so then the next episode is, after these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. Mm -hmm. They went back and told the rest. So at some point they have this realization that he is... Okay, he's here. Uh, so Jesus is risen. That's got to be the two guys on the road. Road to Emmaus. To Emmaus. I would imagine. Where at first they don't recognize him, right. and they're like, why are your hearts... How you, are you the only person who hasn't like, heard what happened? <laughs> yeah, they're like amazed that this guy doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. And then he departs, and they say, did not our hearts burn within yeah. us? Like, we knew there was something we knew up. It was him, but we didn't like... Right. Click. And so they go back, and they tell others... And they did not believe. Mm-hmm. So there's still that level of unbelief. And here you have now two men. Right. Uh, yeah. So to, yeah. To or two of them, it says, yeah. it doesn't, I guess, say specifically men, but we know in the other account right. that it is. Right. And then we have verse 14. Afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves. They were reclining at table and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. So yeah. now he is confronting these episodes of unbelief. Mm-hmm. First with Mary, then these other two. And he sees them there in the upper room, yeah, hanging out, reclining at table, so they're probably eating, and he rebukes them for their unbelief and the hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. Yeah. Then he commissions them. This is so cool to me. Like, he shows up in person, right? They've had opportunities to believe, to start putting the pieces together. Hey, I told you, remember? No, they're not, they're not doing it's mm-hmm. not clicking. And so he shows up and he rebukes them first thing and then immediately commissions them. Yeah. They're just like <laughs> he's like, there's so much patience and grace right there. Right. I'm just blown away by that. It's like, you'd think by then he'd be like, okay, I'm going to give him one last shot. You know what I mean? Like, I'm actually yeah. going to die. I'm going to do exactly what I said. I'm going to raise, I'm going to appear to people. They'll report to them. And when they, you know, when they believe that, you know, then for sure, you know, those mm-hmm. are going to be my, my first, you know, early church guys, you know, or whatever. And then be like, you know, sorry guys. Like, I'm going to find somebody yeah. else. You guys are horrible. No, yeah. he doesn't do that. It's crazy. Yeah. He Im- immediately gives them this this mantle of responsibility, authority. Yeah. Uh, a very, you know, intentional task that is going to require 100% belief because they're going into a situation where they're going to constantly be confronting doubt and unbelief as they proclaim truth. Yeah. They're bearing witness to something they're convinced of to people that don't know it or are unconvinced. And into very well-entrenched spiritual darkness. Yeah where they're going to be taking this message. Yes. I mean, real battle coming. And there's going to be times where they're not sure. There's doubts going to creep in yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have opportunities to discount or discredit or uh, deny. deny the very thing that they're called to go and deliver. Yeah, for sure. So he tells them in verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. So what's interesting here, and I just have to stop, like if I'm, I'm already starting to think of what are the threads that are going through here? Right. First one, he appeared to Mary. Mm-hmm. She believed, they did not. Right. 
He appears to the two guys walking. They clearly believe. Other guys did. Other guys don't. Yeah. Then he appears again to the 11. They're reclining there, and he rebukes them for the previous times, possibly these other two episodes, mm-hmm. for not believing. And he says to them, because they had not believed those who saw him after he'd risen. So they did not believe the testimony of the witnesses that he had sent. Mm-hmm. So now he's turning them into, you're going to now be the ones that go tell. Mm-hmm. You didn't believe Mary. She came. Uh, you didn't believe these other two. They were witnesses of me. You didn't believe. Mm-hmm. Now he rebukes them for their unbelief and says, now you're going to be the witnesses that yeah. go tell. Right. And they're going to experience and when they're people, not gonna believe. yeah, that people that don't believe yeah, them exactly. and their That's testimony. So there's yeah. this yeah. interesting kind of progression that happens. Yeah. And then how closely tie, he ties whoever believes. So those who do believe and are baptized, they're going to be saved. And there will be signs that accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They will speak new tongues. So there'll be this spiritual uh, presence, right? The Spirit of God will be with them because these are all evidences of Christ casting out of demons. That's something Christ does. And so when the Spirit of Christ is in them, and we know that if we continue to read throughout the book of Acts, all of these things occur for the the immediate believers. Uh, Paul gets... Bitten by a serpent I when I was just thinking of that exact shipwrecked. Same thing. Yeah. So every one of the things that he anticipates, this will accompany those who believe. Right. It occurs right. throughout the book of Acts. And you could, I mean, people can and have taken this to mean that if you're a true believer, all these things shall be true of you. Right. Like if you right. if you don't handle snakes on a regular basis, poisonous ones, especially. <laughs> Then you're not. <laughs> yeah, you're not a real believer. Right. You're some candy cake, fluff version. You right. Know? You're not even really a believer. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not. If you don't, you know these what what we we would consider not normal. You know, and and even in their day, it wouldn't have been normal right. stuff. You right. Know? Like oh, well then I must not be. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I must not be a real believer. Or even back to the the I haven't been baptized yet. Right. I mm-hmm. I, I believe and I and I'm saved according to what the scripture says, you know, it takes to be saved, but I haven't been baptized. So like, am right. I like one foot in one foot out, you know, like all oh, this stuff can create a lot of doubt. Yeah. That's a good point. People do kind of use a verse like this or a passage like this to identify that these are, these are going to be the marks of authenticity right. criteria kind of thing, right. For somebody who is a true believer. And if you don't speak in tongues, Handle poisonous snakes, right. uh, cast out demons, uh, go around healing the sick, right. consume poison and not get sick exactly. from it. Right. Like if you're not doing these things, then right. you you might not be a true believer. Right. And that would be creating a work or a a an evidence that's outside of what what is present throughout the rest of Scripture. Right. This is an indication of. You will you will see authenticity in right. the life of believers right. when they go out because they will be exercising in my power with right. the life of Christ in them. Yep, and I think it's important to keep that in in check for sure. Uh, because when, the the you know the thief on the cross. This is the whole you know you, people go around on debates on all kinds of things, but like the the baptism thing. Yeah, you should be baptized. God tells you to be baptized, but He told the the one dude on the cross. 
you'll be with me today in paradise. So I didn't see anyone dunk that guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He certainly right. didn't have anything to offer other than mm-hmm. belief. And, you know, so that can't mean that. You can't just be like, yeah, okay. You know, if you're not baptized, you're not saved, period. Oh, yeah. It's, like that's not, that can't be the way it is. If you don't handle snakes, you're not saved. Well, that's not the way it is. Yeah. It's easy to slip into a Jesus plus other things mentality. Right. And you just take a look at, you know, the church in Colossae, when Paul writes a letter to the Colossians, that was very rampant in their community. There were people trying to create a an environment where, yes, Jesus saves, and all you need is Jesus, plus you need to mm-hmm. have these other miraculous encounters, right. or you need to have these angelic beings right. uh, kind of help you, or yep. you need to become Jewish first and, and convert right. to Judaism, yep. then you can be saved. Right. And these would all be Jesus plus. Right. And and so the danger is we we like to manufacture the plus. Right. Humans like religion. Oh, totally. And we and so religions are that's rules. We get to create more and more rules yep. and to make sure that people are in and make it more exclusive yep. so that we're build the, build we're in the, the right work of our club. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it's so dangerous because Jesus is confronting the religious of his day. Right. That had spent years developing that. Yeah. Uh, that certain religiosity. So again, it's such a good reminder that that is not what is on display here. Right. What he is telling them is not a requirement, but it's evidence that what you will see happen as you go out and bear witness to this commission I've given you, you will see evidence of my spirit in people's lives. And that's evidence of authentic belief. Right. And I think that's specific to that time and place. Yep. And we see it bear out throughout the book of Acts. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, so, as you stand back and we look at these these three episodes, he appears, he appears, he appears. He there's belief, and then there's unbelief mm-hmm. in each of these cases, and then he commissions them. Whoever believes, uh, you know, and is baptized will be saved, and he sends them out, uh, and then he. He ascends. It says, Then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out. They preached everywhere. So they did exactly what he said. They they bore witness. They were preaching the yep. good news of the kingdom. While the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Yep. So the very things that he said would happen, that did happen. And we see that throughout the book of Acts, yep. which is important. Absolutely. So as you stand back and look at this ebb and flow of his appearances, belief, and unbelief, are there certain things that you identify, at least even for maybe the first recipients of Mark's gospel? Yeah. Like what, how does this land for them? Here they are. They've they, they've just finished the the reading of the scroll. Yeah. And this whole account's been given, the whole life and ministry of Jesus, and then it it rests here. Right. What What are some things that you would anticipate their thinking, feeling? Yeah. I mean, the original recipients, you think about that, like we have a couple thousand years of, of church history mm-hmm. to, to kind of support and woven into our society and culture and other societies and cultures and all that. So we sort of have like a really good, yeah, big picture view. But yeah, think about that landing in your hands for the very first time. Think about Christianity being grand new mm-hmm. and you're sitting there going, okay, I did hear that there was a ruckus in 
in the the Jerusalem area and in the surrounding area for the last few years, you know, like the little ripple effect has sort mm-hmm. of made its way around. Say you're you're a believer that's kind of out of you didn't you weren't an eyewitness, you weren't, you know, whatever, but you're you're hearing it. Right. it. It made a big splash, right? Like so you're going, okay, like do I believe this? Like what does this mean? What does this look mm-hmm. like? And then you start to see proof pop up evidence people's lives being changed and people you know maybe they witness one of these you know miraculous type events you know Mm -hmm. in their town somebody comes and they speak and they're able to speak in a in a language that isn't their native language but they're able to communicate the gospel whatever those types of things happen and all of a sudden you're like okay i've seen i've seen some of this for myself i'm hearing this like what do I what do I do with mm-hmm. that right? So you you do what any one of us would do if you were rubbing shoulders in the market or at work with someone who has maybe had a little more of that you know encounter or something or, or even if they haven't like hey what do you think about this like what mm-hmm. what do you think about this whole Jesus thing like you know whatever it's the way right is what they were calling mm-hmm. it at, in those early days like I oh. start talking about it and it, and it and it starts to get traction and and the funny thing is that the same holy spirit that was kicking it off back then is the same holy spirit that gives us kind of mm-hmm. that that next nudge or that next kind of like way to go to to get more information and kind of convicts us to be like hey you're not done with this yet like right. you need to keep pursuing this same spirit like we we think of people in that day as just like this they're they were different people. Mm-hmm. It's like, not really. Like humans have been humans forever. And so to think about the process, I don't think it would be all that different from what, you know, any one of us experiences today, maybe different in the way that it's, it's um, the, the information might be easier to get a hold of, but it could be wrong. You go Googling, mm-hmm. how to become a Christian? Like, that's going to be an interesting search, right? Like, so <laughs> who knows what <laughs> yeah. might come up, but. I don't know. I just, I feel like the, all the basic pieces are there. Like I, I need answers to these deep questions of life. Like mm-hmm. what, where does everything come from? What does it all mean? Where is it all going? Like that's built into every human. Right. right? And so like this, what if this is it? Like, like I hope this is it. And you'd start to learn more. And I know for me that that was my journey of growing up around it, but never fully like taking it for mm. my own. Like, I don't, I don't know if I even believe it, you know, right. like I kind of do, but do I not enough to make a difference in my life? Mm. Right. So, but finally, when I started really grappling with it and asking the hard questions and facing things for what they were and reading scripture at face value and letting it impact me, then you actually begin to, to change and to experience what it is that those those major questions that mm-hmm. you need answered in your heart all of a sudden start being answered, mm-hmm. and usually not overnight, but it just, in in stages, right, and, and pretty soon you're going, time. "Wow, this I, I believe this 100." Mm-hmm. percent Yeah, yeah. I think you know you see this ebb and flow of his appearances after he is resurrected, and and the the key to Christianity, the crux of it is. Jesus resurrecting from the dead. Yeah. Okay. That's what differentiates him from anyone else who would make the claim mm-hmm. is that he conquered death in the grave. And that's the very issue we have is that sin, the wages of sin is death. And so it's, it, 
it feels like and, and it seems like as as Mark is finishing out his gospel account, he's bringing it to a decision point. Mm-hmm. Here, here are the people that saw and witnessed his his resurrection. Yeah, and yet these people, these eleven disciples, still struggled with belief. Yeah, even though people they trusted and had ministered alongside them for years came to bear witness and say he's he's risen. They're like, eh. like, you're crazy. Yeah. And so there was this wrestling with, can I trust this? Can I believe this? And I think it's putting on display the comp, the complexity of belief Yeah, and giving one's life wholly over to this belief when you don't have full certainty. Yeah. What does it look like to follow him and yet not have all the answers? Right. What does it look like to give yourself to, to the way mm-hmm. of, of Jesus's life, to have him be now the authority, the Lord of your life, and yet not have full certainty or not be able to, to touch him Articulate and see him. every single Right, question. and not have all the answers. Yep. And so I think that there's this crucial decision point that comes at the end of this, that when the scroll is read and Mark is finished, everyone in the room is at a point of, well, do I believe? Mm-hmm. Am, am I in? Mm-hmm. And I would say that's where you and I, when we finish reading the gospel or any passage, that's going to be the question that we have. Am I in? Mm-hmm. Do I still, am I still a follower? If so, how do I evidence that? Well, it's how I live. Handle snakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Just kidding. You can, <laughs> you can scratch that out. Yeah. I evidence that by trying to, to live, in his power every day, uh, facing challenges, uh, making decisions on how I parent, Mm -hmm. how I interact with coworkers, uh, with friends, how I treat my neighbor. It's evidenced in this daily in and out living. And over time, the understanding comes along with it. Yeah. So my, I think my challenge here is this is just a good reminder. Like if, do you believe? Cause even the 11 disciples struggled to believe for sure. And, and so, and we're, and we're forgiven of their unbelief. Yep. Um, like immediately, immediately, and given great yeah, responsibility given more to do. Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, bad. Now I'm going to take some stuff away right. from you. He rebuked, but then he also yeah. uh, gave responsibility. Totally. After that. Yeah. So I would encourage anybody who's tuning in to the podcast right now and has gone on this journey of just over 80 episodes in the Gospel of Mark. Yeah. There's a decision point. If you've traveled this road with us, you're at a decision point. Uh, you get to respond. Do you believe? You've, if you've traveled this whole way, it's been on display who Jesus is, what he said, what he did, how he demonstrated his authority over the storms, uh, over demons, over sicknesses. Uh, he he showed the authority of the day to be impotent and powerless. And he showed himself in a upside down way to have all authority and all power. And as Mark starts the gospel out, he says, this is the beginning of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God. And you have to ask, do I believe? And then you have to answer yes or no by the way that you live your life and what you commit yourself to, who you commit yourself to. This isn't a, re- a religion. 
It's not a set of rules that one follows and checks the box and therefore is found right before God because you, you've followed the list. This has everything to do with the relationship with the, the God of the universe and giving your life wholly over to him and accepting his complete perfect life and sacrifice on your behalf by grace, not by works. And, and that realizing in that you are a new creation and you're now given the ability to walk in righteousness with the God of the universe, to follow in obedience what he's commanded. Without Christ, you can't follow in obedience. You have no power to do so. But in Christ, you do. And that he grants his mercies are new every day. His forgiveness is unending. There's no sin which cannot be overcome by the blood of Christ. And so we recognize that this is who Jesus is. It is what is completely articulated in the Gospel of Mark that we've just finished reading. And now you get to say, I'm in or I'm out. But now that you've heard the testimony and the witness of Jesus Christ, you can't pretend to be ignorant. You have to choose this day whom you will follow. So I want to encourage you, if that is something that you want to do, dive in, jump in, find a local church, find a a Bible. You can go online and find a thousand free Bibles, but continue to read the Word of God. Find a fellowship of believers to be in life with and do things with and watch the Lord work. And he'll take whatever belief you have, despite maybe the unbelief that you wrestle with, and he'll take that belief and you'll watch it expand throughout your life as you follow him. Mm-hmm. want to encourage you in that way. Pete, thanks for being here today. Yeah, glad to be here. It's so good thanks to have you, brother. Yeah. Uh, and everyone stay tuned because we will start a new adventure, a new book in our next episode. So go, take and read the word of God. Blessings. God bless. Blessings.